0: Abraham took Isaac, and he went with him with some servants and some donkeys to Mount Moriah. And um, uh, before they got there, he left the servants and all of them guys down there, and he said, "Me and the boy will go the rest of the way." And he put the the wood for the sacrifice up on Isaac's back. Think about that. This was totally a foreshadow of the cross. I think it's one of the most beautiful pictures in the Word of God. And um, Abraham carried the rest of the stuff, but Isaac carried the timber for the fire. Mm. And then when they got up there, Abraham made an altar. And so they would make an altar out of rocks and stones. And, and, and just what what an altar is, is a place that has been sanctified and consecrated for God and I encourage you to make an altar in your home let that be a room where you go a a corner where you go where you spend time with God it could be just you know make it comfortable a nice armchair a nice light uh, somewhere where it's quiet and private I wouldn't encourage it in the kitchen or the sitting room unless you live, you know, by yourself. That's fair enough. But if you're living in a household where there's people in and out or whatever, I would encourage you, find a room, a spare corner, you know, even a press uh, uh, where you can shut the door and where you can go in and be alone and talk to the Lord and where you can hear him talk to you. And that can be your personal altar. What it means is your personal space where it's set apart for you and God a meeting place. And that's what the altars in the in the Old Testament were. They were a meeting place between heaven and earth, between God and man. And so, you know, that's what Abraham did. And he, he laid out Isaac. And Isaac obviously willingly laid, laid down because if he was a boy at that stage or a teenager, he could have probably tried to fight his father, but he didn't. You know, and, and he laid him down and tied him. And, and, and was about to, to drive the knife into his son when God said, stop Abraham, because I know now that you fully trust me and that you hold nothing back from me. But you know, when it came to be God's turn, he didn't stop with the knife, you know, with the, with the, the death upon his son. He allowed it to happen so that all of us could be saved. And so that was a foreshadow, but it was an altar, And so many times, I think a couple of weeks ago, we read about Samuel making that altar and saying, thus far has the Lord been with us. You know, um, and I I gave you that testimony about the bottle of glitter. Like, you know, that there are things where God has done stuff uh, for you, where you have seen his hand. You need, you know, to write it out or to or to have it somewhere prominent where you can see it and where it reminds you that thus far God has been with me. He will not take his hand off me now. God is faithful. And um, so that's another, you know, an, an, um, another part of the altar. But the thing is, is the altar is where we come and where we pray, where we, you know, beseech God, where we cry out to him, where we... Um, you know thank him and worship him and I feel that it's time to bring the altar back into church not in a, a religious um, you know uh, manner but in a place where people and so today I'm going to ask you after this to, to come up here and that we gather together and we're going to pray uh, I, I heard the Lord telling us to pray for three specific things now Meg has already prayed for Israel and for the captives so um, but I'm let's see how it goes in the meantime i want to speak to you about a hiding place and so to begin with could we just look at psalm 32 i'm going to very quickly read through a couple of a few scriptures Holy Spirit, I ask you today that you would be the one who would speak. Mm -hmm. Oh Lord, that you would bring revelation here. I pray that every ear in this place would be unstopped and opened. All of those on Zoom, all of those listening to the podcast, oh God, I pray that every deaf and dumb spirit that's trying to hinder and and block people from hearing, I pray that that deaf and dumb spirit be bound today and I command it to be bound and cast out in the name of Jesus. I command those ears to be opened uh, to hear and to listen not just to hear, but to listen. And I pray, Lord, that the eyes, our eyes would be spiritually opened to see you and to see the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So in, in Psalm 32, in verse seven, it says, for you are my hiding place, you protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. You are my hiding place. Will you say that with me? Father, Father, you are my hiding place. My hiding place. What's a hiding place? What's a hiding place? Do you know that many people uh, hide? Um, you know, many people have been hiding since COVID. They have not come out of their homes. they they don't do the same things that they used to do before. That's a counterfeit hiding place. Hiding at home is a counterfeit to the hiding place that is God. Because when God is our hiding place, we can be out on the battlefield, on the front line, and yet be covered, be protected, be sustained, uh, be provided for, and be protected. So... In Psalm 119. Hallelujah. Kishipa tiedre da ma. Nongo dre da clay. Ipa no kodre da clay. Psalm 119, and let's get there first. It's the long one. (laughs) It's beautiful. Psalm 119, and. Verse 114. 119 verse 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I wait for your word. So God is not only my hiding place, but he has set up a shield around about me. That protects me from, you know, as I said earlier, even on the battlefield. Um, In Psalm Psalm 18, Psalm 18, verse 2, Katie Taylor, Sam. Would you like to read it with me? The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and the one who rescues me. My God, my rock and strength, in whom I trust and take refuge. Hallelujah. God in whom I I trust and take refuge. So, like we said about Abraham, Abraham trusted God. And he knew God wouldn't do him wrong. And actually, when Abraham left those um, servants and stuff, he left them with the donkeys and things. And he said, me and the boy are going to go on. You stay here. But me and the boy are, he said, me and the boy are going to go on and we will return. And so Abraham spoke by faith. I don't care what God asks me to do. If he tells me to, to um, you know, to, to sacrifice Isaac, he'll have to bring him back from the dead. And so isn't that amazing that even so long, long ago, before before Jesus came, before Yeshua, before his death and his resurrection, Abraham believed that God could resurrect. And that's why Romans chapter 4 says that Abraham believed God, uh, that he was able to do what he promised, that he gives life to the dead things and calls those things that are not as though they were. And the reason Abraham knew that is because Abraham, it said, he um, judged his own body as much as dead and Sarah the same. He said, you know, he was 100 years old, so he figured, as in that his body was dead, as in that his childbearing years were over, and that her childbearing years were definitely over. But that God could resurrect it and bring them that child of promise, and he did. Praise God. And so here, you know, um, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and the one who rescues me. My God, my rock and strength, in whom I trust and take refuge. Isn't that a beautiful thing to know that there's a place of refuge, and it's it's very you know, Romans chapter um, ten says uh, the word is near you. It's in your mouth. God is very near. He's not far away. You don't have to sort of, remember long ago when you'd have to go to um, a phone booth and say, I want to make a long distance call. And and so the operator would do all this um, ringing and ringing. You see it on the movies there. And uh, they put through the call. You don't, that's not how we call God. He is living inside of us if we believe in Jesus Christ, his son. And if we have um, asked him into our lives as Lord and Savior, he is living inside of us. And so he is here right with you. That's what Emmanuel means. Emmanuel, God with you. And um, in Psalm 91, verse 4. Psalm 91, verse 4. he will cover you and completely protect you with his pinions or his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge his faithfulness is a shield and a wall praise god god's faithfulness actually sets up a fortress around about you Job, um, in the book of Job, you hear even Satan saying to God, "How would Job be affected? Because you've you've hedged him about, you have you have covered him completely and protected him." Um, in Psalm five, it says, "You surround me with your favor as a shield." So you know God's favor isn't that you know you're your, some kind of, of of special reward or treat. God's favor is Himself, His presence. Hallelujah. Um, In Psalm 17, verse 8. You know, like we read in in Psalm 93 at the beginning before we we worshipped, God is king. The Lord is king. And no matter what's going on in the world, the world may be shaking, but it will stand. No matter what the, climate, uh, the climatologists are telling you, the world will stand. Amen. And God will have it to stand. But everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And we are going, it's time to, you know, and I, I suppose I'm preaching to the converted here, but I know that there's lots of various types of people listening to the podcast. It is time to get right with God and to get serious with God. I really mean that. And I'm telling you, there is a shaking coming. And there is going to be a marked difference between those who serve the Lord and those who don't. There will be a marked difference between those who are mocking and scoffing at God and those who are believing. There will be a marked difference between those who have one foot in the camp and one foot, you know, uh, dipping a toe occasionally into the water. It's time to get serious with the Lord and stop putting other things in priority before him. And that's why I'm telling you, build an altar in your house. I'm not telling you to go and put a bunch of flowers on a table and kneel down and pray at it. You know, fair enough if, if, if that's what you want to do, but I'm telling you, make a space where you get alone with God and where you get serious with Him. Because the devil has played ball, he's played tennis back and over with you, uh, uh, you know, and, and has been shooting uh, aces and volleys against you that have, that have hit you in such a way that, that your, your head is in a spin. And so in a, when, when, when there's confusion and all kinds of chaos going on, it's time to pull out of that vortex and get alone with God and get serious with him. Amen. Amen. Psalm 17 verse 8. Keep me in your affectionate care. Protect me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the protective shadow of your wings, say, hide me. Hide, hide. hide me. Imagine, hide me. If I kneel down behind this, I'm hidden from a lot of you. You can't see me. And I'm hiding. Um, Psalm 143, verse 9. Aren't the Psalms wonderful? Praise the Lord. Psalm 143. And verse 9. Rescue me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. I take refuge in you. Psalm 27, verse 5. Psalm 27, verse 5 says... For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. You know, all the years down that I've thought of the Lord, I suppose I've always had this picture in my head of a stormy sea and a rock being there in the sea, and you know, my only hope, or a person's only hope of salvation, being clinging on to that rock, no matter what, keeping the head above the water, no matter what waves are crashing against it, as long as you cling to that rock, that rock will not move. And that's what all of these scriptures that we're reading here is, you know, the Lord is the rock. He is the everlasting rock, it says in Isaiah 26, verse 3. He's the everlasting rock, Yahweh. And um, you've got that picture where Jesus and Peter had that conversation about when Jesus said, who do people say I am? And and all the apostles started giving various different um, scenarios of who people said Jesus was. And then he looked at them and he said, but who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the promised one. And Jesus said to him, you know, Peter, it's not coming from you yourself just so you don't get puffed up. It's by the Spirit of God who spoke that to you. But on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so, you know, men and religion have taken that to mean that Peter is the one that the, the whole church is built on. And that's, that's not what Jesus said because if you go to the the real meaning and the real translation of, of the, the word it's on the rock of revelation that the holy spirit gave you peter that i am the christ i am the messiah that's the rock that jesus built his church his ecclesia on and the gates of hell shall not prevail against anyone who's holding on to that rock and so you know and he said and peter your name shall no longer be called shimon simon it shall be called peter petros but before that where he had spoken about and on this rock he spoke of the word Petra so Petra is like if you can imagine the cliffs of Moher you know what those cliffs look like or, or the cliffs below in Banas the the Kerry Cliffs my goodness they're majestic and and just awesome and he said Peter you are Petras and so that's like you know a boulder or a stone out there. And, and, and so that's what we are. We are uh, living stones that make up the ecclesia, the, uh, the, the, the church of Jesus Christ on this earth founded on that rock. So where were we there? We were in Psalm 27, verse verse five. For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. That's where we are. We're on that rock clinging and, and holding on and, and being held by the rock. Do you notice that about rocks? Um, you see when children clamber up on them and play on them. And, and you know, it's like that the rock, you can, you can fit all your hands and legs all around it. Uh, there, there's, there's grip, on, you know, on, on those rocks where, they can, where, where people can play. And, and that's symbolic of God. You know, he, he, you not only grip him, but he's holding on to you. And that's what that's saying here. And because of that, your head will be lifted up above all your enemies. Amen. In Psalm 64, verse 2. What does God hide you from? He hides you from your enemy. In Psalm 64, verse 2. Hide me from the secret counsel and conspiracy of the ungodly, from the scheming of those who do wrong, who have sharpened their tongues like a sword. And they aim venomous words as arrows to shoot at the blameless. So God hides us from the tongues and from the, the bitter words, from, from the curse even. And I don't think I have time, but... Um, Maybe we might continue that next week, actually. Um, you know, back in the book of Numbers, when Balak contacted Balaam, the prophet, Balak was the king of Moab, who were Israel's enemies. And he contacted this guy who was a seer and a prophet. Um, and he asked him to come and to curse The nation of Israel for him. Because Israel were were on his border. And he said I want you to come and curse them for me. And Balaam you know asked the Lord about it. And the Lord said don't you dare go near them. Don't you dare open your mouth against my people. Anyway to cut a long story short. Balaam eventually did end up going with Balak. That's when the donkey spoke to him. Which is I think don't you think the, the Lord is funny like. Isn't he funny. You know, people think donkeys are stupid, and yet it was the donkey that spoke more sense than than this so-called prophet and seer. And uh, you think donkeys are clever, don't you, James? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have them, yeah. They are smart. They are smart. Of course they are, they're very smart. <laughs> Remember the one you had, mom, and he used to stick his head through the your tree outside your bedroom window, so that when you opened your curtains in the morning, he stuck his head and went, he was, he was so funny. <laughs> Where's my breakfast? Huh? He used to lift the gate. He used to lift the gate as well, yeah. He was so clever. Yeah, donkeys are not stupid. No, I must say that. But um, you know, but you know, people when they call people names, they say you donkey or you donkey, you know, which is an insult and yeah, it's an insult to the donkey, to be honest. But anyway, um when when Balaam went eventually to to to, to do what Let's have a look at it rather than describe it. It's in Numbers chapter 21. Uh, Numbers 23. And I would suggest, you know, um, this was one of the things the Lord asked me to pray about here today because he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And, you know, as we pray for the nation of Israel, um, just because somebody is saying, I stand with Israel and I'm praying for the nation of Israel, it doesn't mean that you don't have any compassion towards the people of Gaza or the Palestinians, you know, but the thing about it is... Is that there will be a difference between those who serve the Lord and those who don't. And Israel is God's nation. We have a, a, a statue down there, downtown, um, of Monsignor Flaherty. And, you know, he was a, a lovely, great man, no doubt, he saved many, many Jews. But they have this symbol up that says, God has no country. That's, a, you know, that's bringing curse, I believe, even on this town. God has a country, his nation is Israel. And that's a lie. And what he meant, obviously, was that God sees no difference between people, groups, or tribes. But he does have a nation, and the nation he has is Israel. And so those people that are opposing Israel, and that are speaking against them, and, and out protesting on behalf of, of the Palestinians, uh, you know, um, and singing from the river to the sea, what they're singing and what they're protesting is that Israel be obliterated off the map. And um, that the Palestinians, you know, have that land for themselves, but it's, it's God's land. It was, it was given to Abraham and far, far before uh, the Palestinians ever landed in there. They were refugees that were booted out of, of other um, nations. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, in Numbers 23 and verse 8, this is what Balaam said to Balak. They went from place to place with Balak saying, look, I'll take you to another place. Just see what he says here to you. Maybe he'll let you curse them here. And this is what what Balaam said to him. How shall I curse those whom God has not cursed? Or how can I violently denounce those the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the rocks, I see Israel and from the hills, I look at him. He, he was here in Moab, was a high country uh, uh, you know, and they were up in a high place, looking down in the valley at where the Israelites were camped and From the hills, I look at him. Behold, the people of Israel shall dwell alone isn 't that interesting they 're very much alone on the world stage right now, you know um, you see the, the the actual filth and, and hatred that 's being released against them, even in our own nation. And, um, you know, like, like, like Margaret prayed there earlier for those girls that refused to shake their hands at that basketball match last week or dishonored them, you know, um, the thing about it is, is is that why it happened was that one of the girls from the Israeli team, whether it was wise or not, I don't know, but look, I suppose she was speaking the truth. She said, well, Ireland has had a lot of anti-Semitism. And that's the truth. Sorry. It's the truth. Like, it has. Um, been operating in anti-Semitism for years, and it has really exploded now. And you have Sinn Féin, you know, um, and and I'm not meaning to be political, but... You know, um, Michelle O'Neill came out yesterday and said that that Sinn Féin will utterly stand until the Palestinians have their own nation, and they will, because she sees and and all of Sinn Féin see the Palestinian cause to be very much like the IR, the Republican cause in Ireland, and it's nothing like it, and. Um, you know, for her to have made a statement like that, golly, I, I, I'm i frightened, I'm frightened for these people, and I, I'm, you know, I am praying and crying to God for mercy for them, because, you know, they're trying to curse God's people, and if you want to have a look as well here, um, <laughs> Balak was not happy about that, he said, what have you done, you've, you've blessed them, I brought you here to curse them, and, um, In Numbers 23, the next chapter, or that's the same chapter, and verse 23, Balaam said to them, said to Balak, for there is no enchantment or omen against Jacob, nor is there any divination against Israel. And so, you know, you have uh, words that are being released as witchcraft, where you have the whole world being sucked in and, and, and very gullibly taken along a wave of anti-Semitic hatred towards the Jews. They don't even know why. And um, they don't know the full story. They haven't bothered to investigate it. And, you know, they're believing lies, deception and delusion. And it's all because of speculation. There's so much speculation going on and and speculation, um, you know, is is a form of delusion. But anyway, just to keep keep on this subject, in Numbers 24, um, in Numbers 24, what verse is that? Nine, yes. In nine, speaking about um, God you know, protecting his people here. And he said, he bowed down to rest. He lies down as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse him. Blessed of God is he who blesses you. He was speaking over Israel this time. He was releasing a proclamation of blessing upon Israel. And he said, blessed of God is he who blesses you and cursed of God is he who curses you. And so the people that are speaking and cursing Israel and judging them and criticizing them, uh, you know, I'm not saying that they're not to have compassion on, on the Palestinians who are themselves being held by that terrorism terrorist group Hamas, but they're cursing Israel and they're opening the door for curse on their own lives. And it's something we need to investigate, even in ourselves, even going back in the past and repent of it and ask God to forgive us and cleanse our bloodline, Uh, you know, take accountability for those sins. And um, I can't ever pass this chapter without reading verse 17, where Balaam is still prophesying and he's now prophesying about the future and about the Messiah to come. And he said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near A star shall come forth from the descendants of Jacob. A scepter. You know what a scepter is? It's it's the, 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 the instrument by which the king made a ruling and a decree. A scepter shall rise out of the descendants of Israel and shall crush the forehead of Moab and destroy all the sons of Seth. And so, you know, he shall crush the forehead. You've got that picture of what happened in the garden when God said to the snake, He said, she, the woman, will bear a seed and he will crush your head. And um, praise God. Um, And finally, in verse 20, in in Numbers 24, verse 20, Balaam looked at Amalek and took up his fifth discourse oracle and said, this is where he was proclaiming God's word over all of Israel's enemies. And this word still stands today. Amalek was the first of the neighboring nations. To oppose the Israelites after they left Egypt. Do you know what Amalek did? They came up behind them. And they attacked the women and the children and the elderly. And if you look at what happened on October 7th. That's exactly what happened. They came for the elderly. They came for the women. They came for the children. And they... Uh, defiled them, dishonored them. They, they you know, the they, they, they absolute mutilation, mutilation of their bodies, mutilation of them, even when they were alive, they burned them alive. They raped the women, the children. They, they uh, you know, it's absolutely horrific. And any person, and I know, again, I'm preaching to the converted here, but I, I'm saying this on the podcast. Any person who is speaking against Israel or who is promoting the Palestinian cause is lining themselves up nose to nose with God, Yahweh, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And I'll tell you, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God because our God is a consuming fire and he will vindicate and he will deliver his people. He deals with Israel himself. He is the one, he has, you know, plenty of times through the word of God where Israel has messed up and and they have opened themselves up to the wrath of God and God deals with them, but he has compassion on them because they are his people. His son came from them and his son is coming back. God is coming back uh, to the nation of Israel. And when he does, all of the earth will see it. Amen. Amen. So that, that part of that verse, Amalek was the first of the neighboring nations to oppose the Israelites after they left Egypt. And what's happened to Amalek? But his end, his end shall be destruction. And so, you know, that's, that's not pleasant. And that's not, not um, something that those people should be looking forward to. And they need to repent Praise God. So that came on there from Psalm 64 that we read, that he hides me from the tongues and the conspiracies behind closed doors. And, you know, many of these people that are promoting that hatred, they're doing so from the, the, the convenience of their own home. They are what they call keyboard warriors. I'll tell you, uh, you know, you, and, and most bullies are like that. They hide behind, you know, big words and 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 big big weight. But when it comes to it, one breath of God and they're flattened forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, um, I don't even know where I am now. <laughs> right. Just to uh, that was Psalm sixty-four, Psalm thirty-one, verse twenty. Psalm 31, verse 20. In the secret place of your presence, you hide them from the plots and conspiracies of men. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. So, in the secret place of your presence, you hide them from the plots and conspiracies of men. You keep them secretly in a shelter, in a pavilion, from the strife of tongues. Hallelujah. What a what a word. And Psalm 16, verse 1. So this is a study. And if you're at home and you're setting up that little room or that little place of, of, of that altar between you and God... You just take out your, your Bible and take out a notebook and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, what is it you want to speak to me today? And 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 just write out that scripture. Um, maybe there's a word that has been you've been seeing a lot, you know, when you're out shopping or you heard a conversation or something on the radio and they mention that same word and you're saying, Lord, are you trying to say something to me? And, you know, just put in your phone, Google, what does the Bible say about whatever that word is? No, no, no. And I'm just going to mute you there, sorry. Um, um, And, uh, you know, you'll be amazed at how the Lord speaks to you. And that's how the word of God comes alive. People say, well, the Lord never speaks to me. I never, I never hear anything. Listen, you've got to press in. He said, if you seek my face, I will be found by you. And so, like I said earlier, it's the heart of a king to search out a matter. And, and so as we search out for God, he replies and answers to us. And you'll be, you'll be blown away and shocked by the way that, that he speaks to you. And um, just to finish about hiding place, and God is my hiding place. He is my refuge, my place of safety, the rock where my enemies can't get me. What I was thinking about this week was hide and seek. You remember when you were a child and you'd play hide and seek with your family or with your friends um, on a rainy day, perhaps? And what was the whole idea of the game of hide and seek? One of you would go, say, into the room outside and count. For some, it was 100, but I used to think that was pretty long. So we'd say, Count to 40 or something like that. And so that person would faithfully count one, two, three, and then everybody else would scarper and run and go and find some form of a hiding place where they could hide. And, um, you know, it was a fun game. But the thing about it is, there was a couple of things that I just thought of. You had to trust in your hiding place. Um, Because if you broke cover And and that often happened, and I used to see it when we were young, and I used to play it with my brothers and sister, or with other, you know, smaller kids, even my own children, I remember. Um, They'd be unsure about, is the place they're in really all that, you know, as they they got older, they'd start to distrust the place they were hiding. And so they'd make a break for it and try and find another hiding place, and get caught. (laughs) So breaking cover, not trusting the hiding place was a bad move. They should have stayed there at least. It might have kept them covered for a while longer. And um, because you're in danger of the enemy catching you. I suppose the person who was counting was symbolic of the enemy. And you were hiding from the enemy. The other thing would you notice is that I remember this. Um, some had more patience with hide and seek than others. And so I had a load of, lot of brothers. And, and a few of them, you know, they'd, they'd say, I see you. I see you anyway, I know where you are anyway, I know where you are. And they wouldn't have a clue where the people were because it was great hiding places and you'd be there sniggering away, you know, because you know that they have no clue at all where you are and that they're really, they're getting stumped now. But, you know, that's what the enemy does. The enemy taunts you and he says, I see you anyway and I, I know where you are. And so that's to trick you to leave your hiding place and say, oh, you found me, sir. And they hadn't found you at all. It was a lie and a deception and you know that's how the enemy operates he taunts people to get them to come out from the hiding place uh, to step out of trusting God and, and faith in God and into unbelief and and that's where they get picked off then by the enemy and it's something we need to be careful of especially in relation to fear and things like that so he trick you i see you i know where you are i get you another thing you noticed about the game of hide and seek was that when he went and maybe found one of the younger ones, or even one of the older ones who was in a bad hiding place, they'd turn and they'd operate with the enemy to go and find. And now there was two of them looking for you. (laughs) Do you notice that? That like... They wouldn't just go way off and, and, and leave that part. They, they'd actually start helping the enemy. And you know that's what Psalm 64 is about. Is that people using their tongues to curse you. Uh, they're actually helping the enemy. They're opening the door for curse and destruction for themselves. But they're helping the enemy. Those people that are speaking against Israel. And, and, and all that. They're not only uh, drawing uh, the enemy. Uh, opening the door for curse in their own lives. But they're helping Satan. In his maneuvers. Praise the Lord. So trust in the hiding place and don't give away your secret place. Keep still under the covering. So to finish the scripture, Psalm 46. our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable. This is the amplified version. A very present and well-proved help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains be shaken and slip into the heart of the seas, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its roaring. What's all this about? This is about confusion chaos strife fear anger hatred division all of these things being stirred up in the world and in our own lives and us being affected by them well we have to remember that God is our very present help no matter what's going on there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy dwelling places of the most high God is in the midst of her his city she will not be moved say i will not be moved i will not be moved i will not be moved amen we sang it there earlier in that song faithful still i have a hope i have a future i'm a child of the mountain mover hallelujah god is the one who moves the mountains and even though the mountains may crumble and fall into the sea yet he is still faithful to his word he will protect me the nations are in uproar In verse six, kingdoms tottered and were moved. He raised his voice, the earth melted. We spoke about that, I'm not sure, nearly last week or the week before. You know, that God just speaks a word, enough. And I believe that the timing we're in right now is where God is saying enough. And there are things that are being exposed and brought out into the open and in order to be dealt with, in order to be acknowledged and repented of by those who will and for those who won't. It's going to open the door for destruction. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, our refuge, our high tower. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations and wonders in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow in pieces and snaps the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. So, you know, where the enemy has tried to come against God's people with a spear, God catches that spear and snaps it in two. It has no effect on his people. You have to believe that and trust that. You must believe and trust in the hiding place. I believe that's what God is calling us to. Be still and know, recognize and understand that I am God. This is God speaking to you. Be still and know, recognize and understand that he is God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, our refuge and our high tower. He is the one who protects us. Amen. And, um, you know, I just want to release that word today to you. You are a bringer of good news. Mm -hmm. This is a month of joy. Mm -hmm. And I believe Mm -hmm. it's, you know, um, this month of joy is, is not just, you know for you to be happy right now. I believe that it's, it's, there's going to be a time of joy being released through the word of God. Joy as you spend time alone with the Lord, as you prioritize him. There's going to be joy released unto you that will sustain you through any shaking that is to come. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I just want to, us to pray together today. Uh, pray for our children. And pray for our children that they will be able to stand Um, And I want us to pray as well that all of the believers in Yeshua, you know, you have so many denominations, so many different various churches and whatever. And and they all say, you know, the ones I'm talking about, that they that they worship Jesus. But so many of them are involved in, in strife and in pointing of the finger and of suspicion, speculation, witchcraft, hatred, slander, gossip. All of these things, um, you know, I'm talking about worldwide now. And, and I want us to pray today that the believers in Yeshua will unite as the kingdom prayer force. Because God, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, yet you have made it into a den of thieves, thieves and robbers. And so what they were doing when Jesus said that to them, they were all kinds of, of, of stuff going on. That was not meant to be ever inside that temple, um, And and he rebuked them. He turned over their tables and he 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 cast them out of there. With you know, he made a whip and and got rid of them out of there. And we're going to see that as well. You're going to see some things, you know, where the, where the Lord is clearing out and clearing out the muck. And 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 we pray for the Lord's prayer force to unite. I I heard there that nations have. Uh, You know, various nations uh, like Britain and and various countries are are very proud of their air force. Well, the kingdom of God has the prayer force and it's my house shall be called a house of prayer. And because a house divided cannot stand. And so as believers in Jesus will unite uh, to, to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the king and that that he rules over all. We're going to see a very different um, a very different church emerging, I believe. And it's a church where there's no superstars or no mini kingdoms or no uh, you know uh, um, I guess titles of, of of greatness. If you think about it, um, Jesus said, you know. Um, he called us his friends he said no longer do I call you servants but yet Paul and and all of them they said you know I'm a servant of Jesus Christ Paul didn't call himself you know I'm the great apostle I'm the great whatever he called himself you know if you read 2nd Corinthians 4 there they were persecuted they were beaten and and so I think that humility and, and, and quietness you know it is what we're going to see happening as well, where people are going to quieten down and and come into that hiding place. That's the other thing about hide and seek. You had to be really, really quiet and really, really still. Yeah. If you were hiding behind a curtain and you moved, they'd see that curtain moving and they knew you were there. Yeah. So you were you were utterly still, and that's why we read there in Psalm forty six, "Be still." And know that I am God, Amen. Amen. So I'd I'd um, like to invite you to come up um, and and let's pray.